0: Hello and welcome to That's Hockey Talk. Uh, Sorry we left you hanging last week. There was just a lot going on. We were in Orlando. AQ was busy moving from a new house. And then now he's basically moving across the country because he is going to be signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hats off to our co-host AQ Shipley, who is not here today. Uh, He's got a lot going on trying to get all that figured out. So we decided, you know what, we're just going to do it without him. So joining me, uh, our Canadian friend north of the border, pal, Gumpy, how are we doing?
1: Good, great hockey. This hockey is unbelievable right now. I'm loving it.
0: I know, right? Unfortunately, we're not going to get any uh, hockey tonight, but that is because the players uh, spoke to the Hockey Diversity Alliance led up by der Kane and Matt Dumba, and they made the decision they are not going to play tonight. They're going to stand in unison with uh, some of the MLB teams and the NBA guys, and they are taking a stand for social justice and police brutality. They're not going to play. So in the meantime, we'll just talk about what's been going on up until this point. Uh, a couple uh, things non-playoffy let's talk about first here. Arizona, I wish AQ was here to talk about this, the Coyotes. We, we've covered the the past little drama situation they've had with their GM and the new ownership group, uh, and now just even more piled on from the old GM situation. Uh, so they were illegally testing guys during the uh, NHL combine, and I don't know exactly what the violations were, but I, I just believe it was uh, uh, something along the lines of inf- uh, an infraction involving uh, testing over the limit. Like they weren't able to test as much as they did. And it's going to, it's actually going to be a pretty costly penalty. It's costing this year's second round pick and next year's first round pick. So the Coyotes, who are a team that thrives on draft picks and developing in house products because they don't spend to the cap and they're a budget team, uh, they need those entry level contracts and those good young players. That's going to hurt big time. When you're in a small market like that, you need good production from those guys. And it felt like, you know, they took the step this year, they made it to the playoffs. They beat Nashville in the qualifying round. Of course, they get dusted up by the Avalanche, who have been very impressive. And, and Arizona, just a tough go-around for them. It'll, that team just can't catch a break. Um, Columbus. Now, they played their hearts out. Just, you know, just couldn't overcome Tampa Bay. But Torts, man. Torts went out swinging he throws that little line out there about, uh, you know, I'm not here for the mushy-feely stuff and just walks out of the press conference like 30 seconds into it after the first. It was the second question, after actually, after the second question. He's been fined 25 k for uh, his conduct during a media availability following game five of the first round uh what do you think of torts I, I i tweeted out the clip i laughed about it because i at this point we just know what torts is a lot of people call him a baby a lot of people call him a sore loser a lot of people saying they loved it what do you think about it
1: it's just weird because after when they knocked out the Leafs, right yes he was really applauding their coach so it's kind of weird you know he and then he walks off in the second round when they're out it's just I don't know. You just for me, you just never know what you're getting day to day with Torrance. It depends what mood he's in.
0: Exactly, he's a big time sour grapes guy. I remember years ago, he he took a shot at the Penguins organization and said they had whining stars, and that whole organization whines, you know. And then he goes and does stuff like this. It's like he's a huge hypocrite, but he always makes headlines. And whenever he does it, I laugh. I'm entertained regardless. So i just learned to take him at face value. You know, I don't have to play for the guy. He doesn't coach my favorite team, so to me, he's just like. It's very Jester-like to me, but I respect him as a coach. I mean, the guy gets results, and you can't argue with uh, the product he puts on the ice. The guys play hard for him. So uh, torts never never a lack for entertainment or drama when he's around. Uh, I mentioned the Penguins. They go ahead and make a trade. GM JR, we know he's no stranger to trades. 50 trades so far in the couple years that he's been the GM of the Penguins. They bring back Kasperi Kapanen. They give up uh, a lot. Okay, they give up a first-round pick, which was 15th overall this year in what's said to be a deep draft. That's the highest the Penguins would have picked in recent years. I think you have to go back to Derek Pouliot, who they took eighth overall uh, a couple of years ago, and he he ended up being a bust anyway. So uh, Evan Rodriguez, who they got from Buffalo, Philip Hollander prospect, and uh, basically seventh, eighth veteran uh, D-man David Warsofsky. A lot of people said it's an overpayment. Uh, a lot of people were excited to get Capitan back, but at the same time, just you know, he's a third liner. You expect him to play in the top six here in Pittsburgh, so maybe a, a boost in his production. Uh, I didn't go too hard on this one because it's just like there, there's other dominoes to fall. It's definitely an overpayment for Casper Capitan. I will say that, but uh, I'm not too bitter about it because we got to see what else happens. There's a lot going on. So there's still guys that are going to be moved from that bottom six. They're going to shake that up big time, and then you got to see. It sounds like. We know one of the goalies is being moved. It's probably going to be Matt Murray. So you're looking for the return there. Uh, And then you can kind of judge how the whole offseason goes. I'm trying not to judge piece by piece. But uh, excited for Kapanen to get back. Jim Rutherford obviously drafted his father in Carolina and traded him away. And uh, now he has the chance to draft the son, who he traded away and traded back for. Interested to see how he fits. Pittsburgh needs speed. That's one thing Kapanen does have. Uh, And they get a little bit younger. And some more skill. So along along those lines too of players coming back, another thing that really just kind of sent some shockwaves through the hockey world, and I know you'll have some interesting comments on this one. Uh Marc-Andre Fleury and his agent, Alan Walsh. This is a wild move for the hockey world. This is usually a calm, quiet, reserved type of environment. You know, players Uh, When they talk to the media and when agents talk to the media, you know they they be respectful. They try not to take deep shots at teams and organizations. And Walsh just fired a fucking cannon right off the bow like he was in the Vegas pregame show. He tweets out this picture of Marc-Andre Fleury in the crease in his Vegas Golden Knights gear with that fucking giant animated sword just dug right through his back, sticking out of his chest with blood dripping off of it. And on the sword, on the... uh, On the blade of the sword is DeBoer. Obviously, the coach's last name, Peter DeBoer, uh, insinuating he's been stabbed in the back by the coach in the organization because Robin Leonard has been getting all the starts. Now... You know, never mind the fact that Robin Leonard has statistically and physically with the eye test outplayed and surpassed Mark andre Fleury, at least for this season, at least for this run. And this is nothing new in Fleury's career. We've seen it happen a lot. This happened years ago with Thomas Vokun in the playoffs in Pittsburgh. It happened with Matt Murray. Fleury's always been a guy who has low. Lo- he has very high highs and he's very low lows, very emotional guy, rides a roller coaster, peaks and valleys. When he's at his best, he's, he's up there with the best in the league. And when he's at his worst, he looks very bad. And he has not put in a strong performance during the playoffs. He did win that one game where he came in to fill in for Vegas on the back-to-back. And now Robin Leonard's the guy, but they go ahead and they finally lose a game the other night. They come out and blow the doors off the Canucks in game one uh you know we were we're all high on the Canucks at least you and AQ were last last episode we talked about how they were the surprise team in the playoffs How they're making this run and they come out in Vegas the powerhouse team with the veteran depth come out and blow them out five nothing shutout. looks like series is gonna be short and sweet maybe a sweep then Canucks bounce back in game two come back and put up an impressive effort and win five two and I wouldn't say it's all on Leonard I think Vegas kind of had a little bit of a letdown I think they got excited uh, by the first win and kind of left him out the dry on a few goals. So what happens now? You've got a situation where the agent has spoken on behalf of the player, even though the player said he didn't want it. He didn't, he didn't flat out deny it, but he was like, I, I, obviously I spoke to Allen and uh, you know, I just want to be a good teammate and uh, I, I don't want to cause any drama. And he made Allen delete the tweet, but it was still up for like at least a day. And normally when shit like that happens, uh, the agent works for the player So it's very strange to see an agent go rogue, and Alan Walsh is a little more outspoken, but I don't believe Flurry didn't know something along these lines was coming. So I'm interested to see his his involvement, his level of uh, his actual, not indifference, but his actual level of disgust or distaste towards the organization now and if he can bounce back and put it all behind him because he's going to be called upon at some point if he doesn't start next game there is a potential back-to-back game in this series uh i think it's game five and six they could end up playing uh one night after the other so you're gonna need him to play at some point what did you think of all this
1: was it ugly when he left pittsburgh nick i didn't hear much about it was it was there drama when he left pittsburgh
0: uh so i mean there was definitely some some Bitterness and some hard feelings, but he's such a good guy that he never, like, personally let it out to the media. Like, he understood business was business. He wanted to stay. He didn't want to leave. I'm sure, you know, him and Matt butted heads a little bit about getting ice time. They're both competitive guys. They wanted to play. But you had Murray, who was younger and more affordable, and at the time had put up the numbers to indicate that he could be the guy. And as GM, you're going to make that call 10 times out of 10 to take the younger, more affordable player. Uh, and they, you know, they pushed Flurry out with the expansion draft basically coming up. They had to make a choice. They trade him to Vegas. They get something for him at least, so that was good on Rutherford's part. But,
1: but like you, like you said, I mean, Flurry could come out and give up four in the first ten minutes, or he could give up none. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it really, it's an absolute crapshoot when he's in between the pipes.
0: Yeah, I was just, I was just very surprised by the whole drama, the theatrics of it, the picture. It was like laughable to me. It's like, come on, Allen. You know, this I mean, team Vegas is hard, Yeah, this Vegas team's in the middle well. of a cup run in the bubble, in the middle of a pandemic, with all the other shit going on in the world. They don't need this from inside. Just just let it go and, and let his play speak for itself because he's above this. You know, it's a guy who has won three cups. He he did the whole he was in the driver's seat the entire time in the 09 run. You know he can do it. Yeah, he's filled in in the other runs in 16 and 17. Like like you said, he
1: did get a start in the first round. It's not like he didn't play at all.
0: Yeah, I, I, I understand how you could feel bitterness towards that because you take them to the cup final, and then they bring in this guy at the deadline, but it's it's is the hot hand business you have to understand that if you if you don't have it you can clearly see the other guy has it leonard was playing out of his mind unbelievable and i guess with that team being that good you're probably thinking oh well you know if, if mark was in there and the guys in front were playing like that he's doing the same thing but he hasn't been so i i get and I respect walsh sticking up for his guy but i just the timing just everything about it stunk to me I didn't like it. I didn't like the move. I'm glad Flurry came out and said something about it. I'll be interested to see how they handle that going forward because they are going to need him at some point. And uh, to me, this uh, this goes back to what I was getting at the beginning here, M- Matt Murray's probably going to be traded from Pittsburgh this offseason. If Flurry wants out of Vegas, if Flurry says, hey, look, if you're going to keep playing Leonard, uh, you know, I – You guys are treating me well up to this point and everything like that, but I'm looking to be moved. I would not be surprised one bit if Rutherford pulled him back into the berg and kind of used him as a mentor role for Tristan Jari. So we'll see. Something to keep an eye on this offseason. But, I mean, there's still some playoffs to be played here. And Vegas, as good as they looked in the first game, did not hold up their end of the bargain in the second game. Elias Petterson and Quinn Hughes, they came on. They showed they were here to play some big boy hockey. They were not going to be out physical, out-manned, out-muscled by the Golden Knights, and they came to play. And you've been saying it. You've been saying it. Watch out for these Canucks. Watch out for them. Sneaky good. Uh, I don't think they're sneaky good anymore. I think they're legitimately good, and I think they're putting everybody on notice.
1: Well, Vegas, Vegas just bullied them the first game, and yeah. they they almost they almost tried to embarrass them. I mean, the chicken call. I mean,
0: from, oh Reeves from the bench, like yeah,
1: it, it was out of hand, dude. And they came out, and I, I think they might have set a record for block shots in a game last game. That's, and They go as Markstrom goes. Markstrom stands on his head. The Canucks have a chance to win any game.
0: True, that's a good point. Markstrom, man, that six foot six monster. He's another guy. He's like he's kind of like Flurry in the sense that like when he's on, he is on, and when he's off, man, he can look bad and he can look like a fish out of water. But uh, be interested to see what happens next in this series. I still I'm still taking Vegas. They were my they were my Cup final pick. I'm still riding with them, but it's going to be a much closer series than I thought, especially after that first game. That first game kind of put the the fear of God. Into uh, the Canucks, and they came out and they answered the bell. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing uh, I wanted to talk about uh, some other non playoff stuff uh, Mike Green announced his retirement from the NHL after 15 seasons. He's 34 years old. Guy could still play, too. He was traded from the Red Wings to Edmonton to kind of give them a veteran on the back end, that puck mover. In his heyday, man, this guy was one of the most exciting players to watch in the league. He could not play a lick of defense, but man, he could fucking score. Uh, career-high 31 goals in 08-09, and uh, this, it, to, even to this day, this is mind-blowing like 76 points with the Capitals in the following season, 19 goals and 57 assists. This guy was like a fourth forward, a legitimate fourth forward on the ice. Like I said, he was not known for his defensive prowess, but, man, he could score, and he had a laser, a rocket of a shot. It was almost unfair having a power play with him and Ovechkin on it. And then speaking of the Caps, uh, they fired the coach, Todd Reardon, uh, former Penguins assistant. He was known to run the power play. He was known as a bit of a defensive coach. He obviously takes over for Barry Trotz uh, after Trotz and the Caps win the cup. Uh, there was a little bit of a contract dispute between Ted Leonsis, the owner, and Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz won a little bit more money, and they didn't want to pay him. Turns out you should have paid that man his money because he goes to the Islanders, and although the Caps beat them in the playoffs uh, the previous year, but they come back now and get their revenge, and Trotz gets... Uh, He's making other teams look silly, man. I can't believe he was just available for teams. Uh, the Islanders jumped I don't know, on him. I don't
1: know how you give up How you give up a guy after you won a Stanley Cup is beyond me. It's wild, I mean, right? Finding good coaches is very, very hard. And after winning the Stanley Cup, to let a guy like him go, I, you're, you'll never get over that. You're going to keep firing whoever doesn't get you there now.
0: Yeah, Reardon, uh, a couple disappointing playoff exits, and he's out. I I don't think he was ever head coach material. I was very surprised when they hired him. He did do a great job helping turn around their defense with trots as a tandem. And then they still played, they were still a good regular season team after that. They didn't really fall off, but obviously the playoff performances left a a little something to be desired. But Reardon's another guy who, after the Penguins fired all their coaching staff, would not hate or would not be shocked to see him return to Pittsburgh because that's somewhere they do need help on their power play and on the back end. I don't think he'll be out of work for too long. But let's talk about Trotz and the Islanders, who another sneakily, quietly team have just been putting on a show this entire playoffs. When you look at that roster, you look like, okay, Matty Barzell, good offensive force, but he's buying into Trotz's system. You look at Anders Lee, he's not going to blow the doors off anybody, but the guy can score. Brock Nelson, same thing. Uh, big bodies in the middle of the ice. They clogged the neutral zone well. They play a good team game. They go and they're playing Philly now, and Philly comes out and after the performance they put on in the qualify or in the round robin games and the first round, I'm like, oh well, here we go, classic Metro matchup. But I think Philly's going to take it, and the Islanders just do what they do, quietly unassumingly, just go out and win the first game, and you're like, oh shit, this Islanders team is for real. Varlamov looks good. They're playing super strong team defense in front of them, even though they don't have like a true. Number one defenseman type. They just got a collection of guys who all play a good, solid team game. Uh, Vorlamba actually set the Islanders' record for the longest shutout streak in the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Forty seconds into the game, he passed into the la- into Game Two of the series. He passed uh, Billy Smith from the nineteen eighties from the Cup dynasty teams of the Islanders. So pretty damn impressive. And then Game Two, the Flyers uh, showed up and showed out. Not fucking five minutes into the game, they're up three nothing. You got Kevin Hayes. Uh, just putting on a show. Sean Couturier uh, had a dazzling little goal. Just kind of man, just a man amongst boys out there, forces his way to net and tucks one in. And then the Islanders showed some resolve. And battle back and tie the game with a with a bad uh, turnover, and it actually went off the Islanders' defenseman skate into back into the Flyers' zone, and JG Pagano ties the game with like two minutes left in the third, something along that line, and uh, he fucking puts a snipe top corner right over Carter Hat's glove, and I'm thinking, okay, here we go. If the Flyers blow this, this series might be over, but they come out and they get the OT win from the old undrafted filler. Phil Myers puts one home in overtime and saves the Flyers. That could have been absolutely disastrous.
1: I mean, the Islanders being able to come back down 3-0 was very impressive. And like you said, if they win that game, the Flyers are in trouble.
0: I did not expect this kind of offense either from the Islanders, especially to be able to play from behind like that. They're a team that you you would think would get the lead and sit on it and kind of I, I think the trap is essentially dead, but what they say now is teams just clog the neutral zone well, and I thought they would have kind of slowed everything down from that point. But we've seen that a lot this playoffs, man. We've seen a lot of these big early leads, and then teams try and sit on them, and they just can't. The league isn't built for that anymore. There's too much offense. There's too much speed, and, and they're able to find ways to come back. Like three, four goal leads, if they're early enough in the game, are not safe. You saw it firsthand with uh, – the other night with your uh, stars and the Avalanche. That series has been the most exciting to me of the second round. There's just goals galore. I mean, uh, Dow scored three straight last game in like six minutes to take a four, three lead. And you're like, okay, here we go. This is the stars this is what they do. This is what they did to Calgary. When they eliminated Calgary, they just, they, uh, they were down and then they came back and just scored like four or five unanswered, just straight goals. And you're like, Oh shit. The stars team offense for days out of nowhere too. Cause they're known to be the kind of a defensive team. Beat you with their goaltending and strong team defense the past couple years. Now this season, finally their offense is clicking at an unbelievable pace and, it's just—it seems to be a recurring theme now for the past couple of years, and especially prevalent in these playoffs. You cannot go down, it, it, or if you go down big early, it seems to not matter. The teams are coming back.
1: This series, too. These two teams hate each other now. There was bad oh, yeah. cross check that guy last night at the end of the game. It was ugly. But I—I got to admit something. I was very wrong about Kudobin.
0: You were down thought, on you were down on I thought,
1: I thought the stars were cooked with o Bishop, and this guy has been unbelievable since I said that. But the stars, I mean, Pavelski is playing out of his mind. He's very
0: Pavelski, probably one of the most underrated signings. I think everyone thought he's a little more old than tooth. He's going to bring some veteran leadership to the stars, and he has done that, and he's done that and more in spades. Like he's up there for the goal lead in the playoffs. The guy scoring timely power plays. Uh, strong playoff goals. He's going to the net. He's getting tips. He's eating sticks to the face. doesn't matter. He's a warrior out there.
1: But like you said, it's just so hard to sit on a lead. I mean, the Stars are up 4-3. They got a shot at going up 3 nothing in the series on Colorado. Yeah. And then Colorado scores two in a minute and 50 seconds.
0: It's just wild, too. And that's like what well, was like that the other game, too, where Nathan McKinnon scores that beauty from the point on that sick pass from Miko Rantanen and then they set each other up again down low and then they end up blowing that lead and it's like okay are the Stars really going to do this? They're going to pull this off they're going to go up 3-0 on the Avalanche who've been the other hottest team runaway just ripped through everyone in the playoffs and then no nothing is safe no lead is safe here we go like I said this has been the most exciting playoff series I just hate that it's on at the fucking well, crack hours of dawn. Last
1: night, last night, like it was supposed to start at seven thirty. This thing didn't start till late. Your time. Yeah, yeah. So it it, did, it didn't end till eleven my time. So you're looking at two a.m. your time. Yeah,
0: I just I unfortunately don't got that in me anymore. <laughs> but goddamn, missing some good hockey there. Uh, another we talked about Pavelski for the Stars being the unsung hero. Another guy I'm not gonna call him an unsung hero, but another guy who probably didn't get the love he deserved in Toronto. There was some talk of. Let's get rid of this guy. Let's shake things up. Nazem Khadri comes over the avalanche. And, man, he has kind of brought a a backbone to that team. I think he's got two or three now game-winning goals in these playoffs. It just seems like he's the kind of guy to go into the net, timely scoring, exactly what you need in the playoffs. He's got that grit, all the cliché. He's got the snarl. He's got the sandpaper. He's got the jam.
1: But over here in Toronto, all our sports channels are based out of Toronto. Caudry was under the light. Oh, yeah. His whole career. Oh, yeah. If he, well, he was a high he pick. He was supposed to be the wrong. guy. It was a nightmare. So for him... Leaving the May police, leaving Toronto was the best thing that could have ever happened to this guy.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately it happens to a lot of guys. You can't crack it. They call it the fishbowl up there in that market. The media is just relentless and they just hound guys. You saw Phil Kessel leave and go on to win two cups and he was he was uh the, the hero he was the hero in Pittsburgh, but he was the problem and the burden in Toronto and it seems like Codry's getting a little bit of a similar treatment here. Um, he's a guy who can play on the edge sometimes. He takes some he, he has some dirty plays, but he's a guy you I'm assuming He's one of those guys that the teammates love him and that they'll go to bat for him, but the other team hates him. He's a guy you want on your team but hate to play against. And he's making a name for himself in these playoffs. And the Avalanche have to be glad they made that move to get him because he has come up clutch. And that's just that's just strength down the middle, again, having that other center be able to play behind McKinnon, who has been such a fucking force. has looked like the best – outside of McDavid, since McDavid's gone now, has looked like the best player on the ice through these playoffs – Another guy too, Miro Heiskinen. For the Stars have been high on him for a while now, which I mean, I'm not patting myself on the back here. He's a high draft pick and a stud. Everyone knew he was going to be good, but I don't think anyone expected him to be this good. I mean, he's damn near uh he's he's up there. I think he's leading the playoffs in points from the back end from the blue line at least. Love watching that guy work on the power play. Love watching him just glide through the middle of the ice and just cut through and wheel and deal. You don't you don't see a lot of guys who do that. Successfully anymore as a defenseman able to lead a rush up the ice and just go literally straight through the middle of the ice he doesn't dipsy doodle to the boards or try and make swing wide he'll he'll just go and he'll dangle right through the middle of the ice it's fun to watch it's impressive and then of course uh, oh one more thing I want to talk about the avalanche too I saw this stat and it was it was pretty telling to me uh, and this is why I was so this is also another reason why I'm very surprised they went down 2-0 to the stars uh, so we know they pumped Arizona in the first round for two games with seven goals. Colorado did. And I saw this stat that the most recent teams with multiple seven-goal games in a postseason. Okay, so I'm going to go back and look at a couple of these teams. And the year's Boston did it in 2017, 2018 they had two of them. A Boston team that notoriously makes deep runs in the playoffs. Pittsburgh obviously in 1718 uh philadelphia in 11 and 12 i believe that was the year they went to the cup final uh, boston again in 10 11 i believe that was the year they went to the cup final as well against vancouver and got their cup uh, chicago in 09 10 uh, detroit no 9 10 and buffalo in 05, 06 and the la kings in 92 93 now what the, all those teams very good teams who pretty much mostly all of them made deep runs in the playoffs so it's pretty telling for colorado to be able to put up those kind of numbers granted it was in one series but if history is any indicator that should show us that this colorado team has potential to at least make a cup or at least make the cup final here i think if i would not i picked vegas to go to the cup final but i would not be shocked at all if the cup final runs through whoever makes it out of this series alive because i'm
1: worried that dallas didn't finish it all like Bishop's gotta get healthy.
0: As good as Kudobin's play, Bishop's gotta or Bishop's gotta get healthy, right?
1: It'd be nice to just have that backup just in case. Kudobin had a bit of an off night last night, but I mean, like I said, four three, you got a chance going up three oh on Colorado and you let it slip. I mean, I just feel like that could be one that comes back to haunt us.
0: That would have been nice, but you knew it wasn't gonna be that easy. And it's just I, I'm excited because these are fast place or fast pace, high offense teams. And we're not getting like that—that slugfest, just slow down, bog it down, tight defensive game, which I, I don't mind every once in a while. But like when I watch playoff hockey, I want to see goals and speed. And these two teams are bringing it in spades. Uh, that Western Conference final, whatever it ends up being, is going to be electric. And I'm I'm high on the West. I think I think the Cup winners coming out of the West. Whether it be uh, sounds lame to just pick these three teams, but like whatever Dallas, Colorado, or Vegas all seem like. They, they got it. and I, Yes, I am counting out Vancouver. I'm sorry. I just, I'm still as, as impressive as they looked. I'm still going with the other three. And then finally, uh, talk about a team getting pumped for seven goals. Tampa Bay and Boston. Boston takes game one. Tampa Bay come back to win the next two. Uh, and then this third game, game three, just in dramatic fashion, Tampa just fucking blew the doors off of boston seven to one and it's like how much more can tampa take from boston they took tom brady you know took rask leaves and then you get the lightning in your face and they hadn't lost the game with halak in until the past two halak had been holding down the fort the bruins looked good they looked like they were going to be making a run they looked like they were going to be going to the cup final out of the east and then all of a sudden halak shows a little bit of vulnerability and that tampa just has a lot of offense and they're doing all this without steven stamkos victor hedman has been impressive doing it on both ends of the ice kucherov's finally started to pick it up a little bit four points in that seven goal drumming uh goal and three assists and uh kucherov was a guy who needed to pick it up a little bit he you know when you're that dynamic of an offensive talent you need to be the one leading the way out there and tampa was getting it done in other ways, with their depth scoring and Tyler Johnson. Uh, Braden Point's been kind of the guy leading the way there. Sorelli's been chipping in. Yanni Gord. They got the guys that can do it. But if Kucherov gets playing at the level that we're accustomed to from him, that's a very dangerous team. And Boston... Can really only counter with that one line. Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak, as good as they have been, and as good as their power play has been, their power play is unbelievable in Boston. And Pasternak just has a has a fucking knack for finding those corners and finding the the space to drift back and be an available open shooter. And Marshawn and Bergeron are gonna find him. Uh, you know, obviously Halak had to come out of that game. Then Don Don Vladar Vladar <laughs> comes in in his NHL debut, uh, and he got. Hung out the dry as soon as he got in there. He stopped like one shot from the point, and then all of a sudden he's got to face a breakaway. And he he does make the stop, but then the rebound comes over. And Braden Point does a little dipsy do on his breakaway, and Alex Kalorn gets the rebound on the other breakaway chance. And it was an ugly game. Do you think that matters? Because I, the, their coach said, uh, John Cooper, the Lightning coach, said, come on, let's be honest, this is an aberration. Uh, this doesn't happen in playoff hockey. They're the President's Trophy champions. You turn the page on this one, you just turn the page like you like you turn the page on an overtime thriller. You can't hang your hat on that one. I tend to agree with them because I've seen a lot of teams uh, get pumped before and then come back the next game like it never happened. Uh, you, do you subscribe to that too? Or do you think there's, there's something to that, in this case at least, where you have Halak, who's already your backup, and then your backup's backup, Vladar, who's never played in an NHL postseason game before.
1: The only thing that I think is with Tampa Bay is they just haven't forgotten what happened last year. I mean, when you're the best team in hockey and you get bounced first round and people question you all off season, and they question you throughout the season, this Tampa Bay team is showing everything. They got grit. They can score. Like, they're just... That's in their back of their heads and they're playing like they mean it. Resilient. I, do, I, think, I mean, 7-1, I mean... Is it going to happen again? I doubt it. But also, only having Halak and that that guy who's played once now. I mean, they're in a bad spot if they go down early again.
0: Yeah, it just feels like once they got past Columbus, this felt like another team who could be one of those team of destiny things where they they learned how to they learned how to win after last year getting swept and in this year beating Columbus, vanquishing. Even though they're a much superior team than Columbus, Columbus played them so tight, and when you look back on it. Uh, you look at the series, it, it doesn't look that impressive in the aftermath when you look at the final tally of the series. But when you're watching those games, Columbus was in every one of those games and they were playing dogged. So I think uh, – and, and again, again, we mentioned again, without Stamkos. So I think uh, Tampa's learning a lot about themselves, and that sounds corny to say, but it's, it's a true – it's a real thing. I think they're learning a lot, and they're learning how to win and persevere in these playoffs – and like I said, if they get Kucherov going, it's going to be trouble in the East because as good and as tight as the Islanders have been playing and as strong as Philly's offense has been, I don't know if either one of them can match up with the depth the Lightning has. And if yeah, Lightning- if, if,
1: if Tampa Bay knocks off the Bruins, I'm taking Tampa against either one of those teams in the next round.
0: Same here. Unfortunately, in my picks, I took Carolina like a stooge because I bought into the qualifying hype, and then Boston just fucking just shoved uh, it right in my mouth. But all right, uh, that's all we got for this episode. Again, apologize for missing you guys last week. Uh, just a lot going on in AQ, even more so. So uh, send some well wishes to AQ for him signing with his new team and having to go through a little bit of training camp here. The old man and see if Denise can hold up. And, uh, you know, he's just got his new daughter, obviously, and he just moved into a new house, and now he's moving to the other side of the country. So a lot going on with A.Q. Shipley right now, but we're proud of the guy. Uh, He can handle it. Gumpy, I believe, might be trying to uh, make a trip down south here soon, pal. You coming to visit Uh
1: Yeah, next week, if everything goes as planned, we'll see how it that goes. That a
0: boy. So, fingers crossed for Gumpy. Let's all hope Let's hope all goes well there. In the meantime, check us out. We'll post some clips on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash the Pat McAfee Show. Follow us on Twitter at That's Hockey Talk. We're trying to post uh, some uh, clips from the games, awesome highlights, uh, close games, overtime winners, all that stuff. We're trying to get that going on there. Um, shout us out on there as well. Go to the store, store.patmcfishow.com. I know there's a couple new. I know CFO Phil's been updating some of the cheat code shirts. I know there's a the Flyers cheat code shirt on there. Go ahead and get that one if you want. Yeah, great, uh, whatever. But we'll be getting some new merch up on there as well. Uh, appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you so much. And that's Hockey Talk.